Uh, we've done we've done a whole year, John. Yeah, I'm amazed. I was actually just, it was only yesterday that I realized this because I was sitting here thinking, oh, we don't have that many show notes yet, so maybe I ought to sit down and think about what we're going to talk about. And I realized we're on episode 26, which is half of 52, so we are at one year. We made it. Um, wasn't sure if we were going to get this far, but we have, so that's pretty good. Yeah, and, and if I sound a little different, I am a little equi, I get that. I'm in a room full of hardwood and glass, and it's because I'm at my parents' lake house in northern Michigan, uh, which was kind of an impromptu last-minute trip for my family, and of course, I brought my podcasting gear, uh, but I don't have the ideal setup, but uh, hopefully you guys will bear with me a little bit. Yeah, you don't sound too bad. I'm sure it'll be fine, um, and we'll, all right, we'll good. be all back to normal next episode, so... Yeah, so so thanks to everybody who um, has been listening, especially since the very beginning. We had, uh, you know, we had a kind of a breakout episode last time, Rob. Uh, we we had a lot of downloads of that episode. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I don't know if somebody's shared it somewhere that we haven't seen. Um, but if if that was you, let us know. Um, I'm yeah. con- no, I'm con- I'm convinced it's the title. It's all about the cat food. Exactly. There we go. We've been we've been doing it all wrong this time, all this time. <laughs> we we've reached into the cat the uh, cat food vertical, the cat lover vertical, really, and all the cat lovers came by, and now they all hate you because they think you're buying a cheap cat food for your cats. Exactly. So that's the only explanation I could come up with, but um, that's that's where we are. So do you want to dive in? Yeah, let's go for it. You've been. You've been researching because I kind of gave it one of my uh, eye roll tweets on on Twitter about chip and pin in America. Yeah, I forget what what, what were you reacting to. I don't really remember. Uh, I I just seen in the last kind of week there's maybe two or three tweets going around that are like uh, jokes and photos about card machines where they've got like little stickers on them that say no oh, chip yeah. and. Um, you know, there was like a, a cartoon or a comic that somebody had done, but you know, kind of in the same vein. Um, and, and I spoke to Kyle a little bit about it because Kyle is the he's the answers to everything I don't understand. I just ask him. Um, and uh, and and yeah, I guess this is still kind of rolling out chip and pin. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think part of the problem is that what they do is they roll out the hardware sometimes, but they don't roll out the functionality. They, you know, they don't hook up the functionality for the the chip. So what they do is put a little sticker or something over the over the um, where you put the card in and as a result it's it confuses people i mean it's confusing enough that you have a slot for the card and a and a slot to swipe it and you never know which one they want you to do um there's a lot of reasons why it, it's terrible in, in america with the chip and pen it's not it's nothing like it is in europe really yeah i, I kind of looked it up because from my recollection like it, it seemed to be really quick in the uk it seemed to just almost kind of be overnight that they just did it um but there was actually a kind of two-year period where they were trialing it in different places, and you could still do the signature stuff. Um, yeah, so you've had it for a decade. Yeah, you had it like a decade, right? Uh, yeah. So it was inter- It was trialed in, started trialing in two thousand and four, and then in two thousand and six, chip by two thousand and six, that was the only way that you could pay for the, for the most part. Hmm. Well, so first of all, one big difference is that we don't have chip and pin. What we have is chip and sign because they don't we don't have pins um we have the chip in the card and I, I did some research about this to try to figure out exactly why why is it i mean because that's just inherently slower before you even get to the technology the fact that you put your card in there and still have to sign a little screen and i guess it's because when they set up these incentives for 
um, banks and retailers to start using the new equipment. Um, then the way they just, I guess, backing up even further, the way they set up the incentives was they, as of last October, the weakest link in the chain as between the bank, the credit card processor and the retailer, the weakest link from a security standpoint is the one that has to pay for the fraud if there's credit card fraud. So if you're the retailer and you don't have a, a, a chip machine, then you're the one who's going to get tagged with a loss because they never charge that back to the um you know, the customer doesn't have to pay more than I think it's $50 by law. So, so that's the way it works. And one reason that like Visa and MasterCard and all of them wanted to set up PIN in the United States is because of counterfeiting, counterfeiting of cards. Because what they would do is, you know, people would sit outside your local target, suck down all the data as they were wirelessly transferring all the credit card numbers in the clear and things like that, terrible things like that. And then they'd, they'd manufacture credit cards out of them with you know magnetic strips, which aren't that hard to make. So they introduced the pin in order to make counterfeiting harder. But they didn't want to um, they didn't want to add the pin part because they were afraid people wouldn't be able to figure it out. And the pin really protects against something differently different that protects against lost and stolen cards, which is I guess a much smaller market. Yeah, there's definitely something you touched on there as well, and you mentioned obviously credit cards and who gets the charges and who has to pay if you know something goes wrong or whatever. In the UK, <clears throat> like uh, the default is debit cards. Like everybody just uses debit cards and, and credit cards. People do have them and use them, but they don't use them in the same way that that you guys do in the US, where it's kind of your default uh, payment method. Yeah, I think that's probably historical too, because I think credit cards were out here a lot longer. Lot longer than debit cards. Um, I do have a debit card, but I don't really use it for anything. I may mean, use it like a, a, a to withdraw cash from the bank. I don't use it to pay for things. Yeah, and I think maybe that's that's kind of part of um, you know why we've managed to uh, you know j- jump so far ahead in this is because everyone's using debit cards. There's no real there's no real responsibility there. You know, if if, mm-hmm. if my card gets stolen, somebody needs my PIN number to use that. And if that really does happen, then basically the bank say, "Well, that's your fault. You shouldn't have, you know, given your PIN number to somebody or or whatever their, right. their excuse would be." Yeah, and that that is how our debit cards work too. We do have pins for the for the, our debit cards, um, and we don't have the same protection as you do with a credit card. It would be if you know if someone got your debit card and your PIN and took out a thousand dollars, you'd be screwed. Um, you'd just be out of luck on that. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I mean, I looked, I kept looking at this yesterday and there are a lot of articles out there, but the technologically there's some issues too, because, um, a lot of these, a lot of retailers are still using things like dial up to transfer data. And this new hardware is sending, you know, encrypted data back and forth, both, both to the credit card processor and back. And that inherently takes longer. And I guess it's like a 15 second transaction and now you know visa is touting some new technology they have that's supposed to speed it up it just sounds like the whole thing was botched from the beginning they didn't think through the process and the the workflow and they also didn't think about educating people because it's just not something that was normal here Uh, and it's it's become a complete disaster but it's also good for apple pay because apple pay is almost instant compared to you know using these things in in a store Mm. Yeah, so that's interesting. We, because we have contactless pretty much everywhere as well, um, and Apple Pay will work wherever contactless works. 
Um, and, and generally, we don't get any delays with any of this stuff. Um, although, um, you know, some of the bigger retailers, like the supermarkets, their their payments go through instantly, no matter what, <clears throat> you, know, um, you know, what uh, method you're using. But you will get kind of smaller independent, like, news agents and stuff where they will, as you say, take, like, 15, 20 seconds. And I don't know if that's a connection or, you know, Visa or MasterCard are giving them priority and, and things like that. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, contactless for us is... I always I could never quite understand why everyone was so excited about Apple Pay in the US, but it makes a lot more sense knowing how the system, um, you know, how the the payment system kind of works now. Yeah, I mean, because I really, I mean, maybe we have contactless for uh, there's some cards and things that that work for that here, but for the most part, that's not I've not actually seen that used. Um, and Apple Pay is still not very broad based. I mean. I end up using it at like Walgreens. Um, that's about it. I mean, but, but although most of those, most of those contactless uh, systems, whether they're designed for Apple Pay or not, work. Um, I actually buy sodas at work sometimes using a vending machine that has contactless pay, which is pretty nice. Although then you get your credit card bill and it's you know ninety five cents for a Coke. <laughs> it seems a little weird, but yeah, that's whatever. that's one of the things I haven't seen over here yet. Despite the fact that we've got so much contactless and uh, everywhere, I've not seen any vending machines that take you know contactless payments or anything yet, which is kind of yeah. annoying because I still have to have cash on me every now and again. Um, for right, that. right. So I guess maybe that we've we've kind of beaten that one to death. We should probably talk about Dropbox Paper because I really hate this app. Oh God, it's so bad, John. This is. <laughs> <laughs> this came out and and I saw it and, and the first thing I did I thought I'll oh, tell John because you know you're the person I use it with I don't I don't don't use it for anything else I, would, I think you know we were both kind of at least interested when 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 it first came out oh brilliant you know there's a proper iOS app for it and but oh my god this app is so so bad yeah the web app is not very good um, but the web app is actually much better than the iOS app. Yeah, the the everything about the iOS app is is just terrible. Yeah, um, did you see the um this the iPad screenshot I sent you? Uh, yeah, I did. This is where the 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 style picker is right at the bottom of the screen, and you can't quite scroll it up. Yeah, one of the biggest problems with this app is everything is modal. You know, you you can't just tap into a tech, into the text field and start typing. You have to hit the edit button at the, up in the uh, navigation bar at the top. Um, and styling text is also modal because it's instead of, you know, mo- most text apps that I've seen, uh, text editors have, if they're going to have things like bulleted lists or bold or whatever, they have a, you know, a sp- they put a little special row of keys above the keyboard. And this app does that, except that instead of actually putting the formatting keys up there, they put a little style button up there. So you have to tap that first and then the keyboard's replaced with a picker. To pick, you know, header one, header two, bold, underline, that kind of thing, and it works fine on the iPhone, but except that I don't think it's any good that it's modal like that. But on the iPad, the picker is squished down to the very bottom of the screen. It only shows one of the options in the picker, and if you try to scroll it, it's so close to the bottom edge that you end up swiping up, and the control center comes up. But even if you're super careful and you and you uh, get it to scroll a little bit, it snaps back to the top one every time. They, there's some sort of auto layout bug, not bug, but auto layout problem going on with the app there. I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much speechless that this app is so bad. Um, it's they're using their own emojis in it, which 
is so strange to see on iOS. Like, they really should just be using the native emoji. Yeah, they did that on the web app. And I guess it kind of, it feels okay on the web in a way because it's not, you know, tied to any particular platform. But it did feel really weird in the iOS app. My my theory is that they rushed this out when they saw that um, everybody was concerned that Quip was going to die. Yeah, I, I'm just not, I don't know, really know what they're doing with this app at all. Um, everything just... It, I think I'm guessing it looks like it's kind of a web view and really all you're doing is the keyboard is hooking into whatever you're you're typing and stuff and it's just going straight into a web view and that's why it's a little bit janky as well. Yeah, maybe that is what it is. I I assume that some of that modal stuff was because they're scared to death that you might do something that'll screw up Dropbox because, you know, they're trying to make it so you can only do one thing at a time. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know... The problem, one of the problems is that it's it's beta, but it's from a big company. And, you know, we're used to seeing betas from Google. And I think people are kind of accepting of betas. But first of all, I don't know how this got through the App Store in some respects, especially when you have, like, pickers doing weird stuff like that. But it's just too beta for a big company like Dropbox to be putting something out like this. I mean, to me, it's kind of embarrassing. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they, how many employees have Dropbox got? They must have enough people that they could build something better than this. They've lost a lot, I've heard. And they lost, at one point, they lost their entire, entire iOS team, although that was a while ago now. So I'm sure they've got, obviously, they have new people if they're working on an app. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any need to uh, kick it any more than we already have. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say one nice thing about it. It does work with Split View. Which Google Docs doesn't. Wait, Google Docs still doesn't work with Split View. Nope, nope, it doesn't. <laughs> and so, so, I mean, this—I mean, this is the bigger picture issue: is like, where do you go for collaborative text editing and things like that? Like we're doing with Dropbox. I mean, a Dropbox Paper. Where do you go for that now? Um, Quip is pretty good. I like it. It's a little weird still, but it's improved a lot over the years, but it just got bought by Salesforce. Mm. Uh, Google, you know, Google Docs is still way behind the curve in terms of adopting modern iOS features. Uh, and Dropbox Paper just isn't a solution. Like I mean, we had some people ask us, right? And and I think it works okay for you and me because it's just the two of us and we're not in the document at the same time usually and we're not we're not in it a lot. I mean, we go in there a handful of times during a week before we do a show. But if you added like even a third person to this, I think it would be a disaster. Oh, it definitely. And of course, as well, we're only ever working on one document. I mean, you know, we right. have 26 documents in there or whatever we have, but we're actually only out of editing one of those. So yeah, that's we're not a good point. really using it to its full potential. I mean, I'm sure the amount we use it, we could just have a text file in Dropbox or Google Drive and just edit it and not even worry about collaboration. Yeah, I think for what we do, we need to get you on iOS iOS 10 and just do a you know a shared note is would probably be sufficient for what we do. Yeah, and um, as soon as I get iOS 10, which to be honest at this point I'll probably just wait for the general release. Um, yeah, that's when we'll we'll switch over to that and we'll give that a go and we can stop talking about Dropbox paper. <laughs> yeah, I, I will actually complain about one more thing, which is the notifications, which you know we have talked about on a previous show about how it drives us crazy that every time one of us edits the document, we get an email telling us that we that it's been edited. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are notifications in the app. There's supposed there's a whole tab dedicated to notifications, and I've never seen a notification in there. But I'm still getting emails saying that you edited the document. Oh, see, I'm getting the opposite. I still don't get any notifications, but my emails have gone now. 
So Mine went away for a while, but they came back like Thursday or Friday. Oh, no. See, I haven't been getting any. So I think it's turned off my emails, but it's not actually sending any notifications. So, Oh, wonderful. Which, and it doesn't, send, it doesn't send push notifications either. Have you seen any of those? Because I, I haven't. No, I haven't seen any of that at all. Um, I mean, <clears throat> it's like I say, it's fine for us because it's just one document. We know when it's going to be edited and it's not really a problem, but... You know that that is a problem for a lot of people. If you you're using collaboration for you know a legitimate reason, and you need to know when stuff's changed. Yeah, and for us, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, I'll drop into the document, and I'll like, oh, Rob made a couple of changes. I mean, it doesn't really matter if I get the email or a notification or whatever that much. And if you if there's something you really want me to see right away, you can always send me a, a you know an iMessage or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, this was actually also an interesting one to decide whether decide whether we should cover this on Mac Stories because when it came out, um, you know, it got a lot of it got a lot of press and a lot of websites and and my my vote was no, and we didn't because <laughs> it, it's just not like I wouldn't recommend anybody use this really. No, I mean that was my initial reaction was to send it to you in case you wanted to write about it for Mac Stories and you know I did some edits in there so you could you know have some proper screenshots and stuff to use. But kind of after using it for like five minutes, I was like, it's not even worth writing about. Like, it's not something that anybody needs to know about. Right, exactly. So, I guess you've uh, been playing a little Pokemon, huh? I need to take back a lot of what I said last week. Yeah, uh, last I know. I was like, wait a second. What's with what's with Rob and all of his uh, his selfies while he's out, uh, out collecting Pokemon all, all week long? Yeah, so... To start off with, I don't take anything back about the app being terrible. Like the, the just yeah, the, the bugs and the crashes, it's it's kind of a little bit better now, but it's it's still pretty bad. It's still a pretty crappy app. It feels like they're a little bit in panic mode too, because the way they fixed some of the bugs was they just took things away. Yeah, they removed battery saver uh, on iOS because it was broken, but rather than fix it, they just took it out. And they oh. took out the thing that showed you how many, how close Pokemon are supposed to be to you. I think the little step indicators when you looked in s- to see what was nearby, they took those out as well because I don't think that worked particularly well either. Well, that, yeah, that had only worked. <clears throat> um, I think the first day that I downloaded it, and and then it was just completely broken because they were doing a lot of that stuff on the server side rather than on the client side. Um, huh. So yeah, but r- rather than fixing it, they just took it out and they also blocked. Uh, or at least requested these these third party maps that were using their API to to turn those off as well. So like right now there is no way to track Pokemon in the game at all. So they have an they have an API that's open to third parties. No, it's not open. Um, they I think just, they just people reversed just re- reverse. Yeah, because uh, I did see some apps starting to pop up on the store saying that it was like they were like Pokemon locators. Yeah. I, as I say, like people have just reverse engineered the API. Um, it was basically making a get request, and it would be given back um, a list of Pokemon and their lat longs, so you could just map those, you know, onto a Google uh, Map or whatever. So did they just break all those apps? Um, well, the the biggest one, which was PokeVision, uh, they requested they turn it off, um, and and the people who run it did. Um, hmm. But there, there was there was another one that was on GitHub, which was when you kind of run yourself and use your own um, Google Maps API key. Um, that mm-hmm. one has been broken. They obviously changed their API deliberately to to break these other ones. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, so what else do you have? What do you have else do you have to tell us about Pokemon and how you've come around? 
Yeah, so I I spoke last week beyond all the bugs and stuff. Like I I'd found myself getting a little bit bored with it because um, it was you know it was just it was just me playing it. Um, and then Jess downloaded it probably a few hours after we did the podcast. Um, and then she was kind of getting into it, and I'm like, should we just go for a quick walk and you know get some of the pokey stops and see what we can catch? And and we were out for like three hours. Um, and then the next day we went down. Um, down to the beach near us, and there's a load of Pokestops down there, and we were down there for a few hours. And then we ended up going down the park two or three times on our week off. Um, so, yeah, we kind of, kind of got really into it, um, like, you know, yeah, maybe a cool. few hours after I'd complained about it. Yeah, it's a good way to get outside. There's no doubt about it. I'm actually the opposite of you. I don't think I've played it since we last talked. Yeah, I think there's something... It, it definitely makes a difference if you've got somebody else to play it with, because I'm certainly not going to go and sit down the park by myself for three hours to catch Pokemon in this game. But, you know, if I go down there with Jess, we can, you know, get an ice cream or take some food and, you know, just sit around in the park and, and do that. And it's, you know, it, it's fun in that situation. How is the um, how is the AR working for you? Because you're still on iOS 9, so that should work, right? Uh, I'd actually turned off the AR. Um, yeah, because a lot of people have, I think it, it's kind of okay if you're just sat down, but like if you're walking around and it it just makes it far too difficult. Um, and you know, maybe that's supposed to be part of the fun, but I really wasn't enjoying it that much. Yeah, I, I was kind of the same, although I've got, I mean, because I'm on iOS 10, it just doesn't work right on iOS 10. It, um, it can't whatever it can't it doesn't seem to be able to lock onto the pokemon so you you end up not being able to it just tells you you have to turn it off because it's unable to like locate them or something so i haven't used it hardly at all uh, okay but um but, but that's, yeah, an iOS, that, that's an ios 10 thing but yeah that was pretty much it i just kind of wanted to admit because uh, obviously i kind of moaned about it and said i was bored and then i'd been sharing screenshots and photos and stuff i don't want people to think that that I was lying. Um, yeah. Just kind of came to the situation where I realized it was a lot more fun if you're playing with somebody else. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I I have played it a little bit with um, one of my one of my kids went out and walked. We went out and walked around the neighborhood and did a little bit of it. And he's been using it. We since we're in northern Michigan, um, you know, there's all kinds of new pokey stops here. And we there were a bunch of th- there was like a uh, one of the towns nearby was having a little festival and we went there and you know people had put down all kinds of lures so there was tons of stuff to to collect there so he was doing that yesterday which was it's fun i mean i i'll probably go back to it again um i did get i was getting a little too frustrated with some of the bugs though and it was it was driving me a little crazy when it was you know it was both wearing down my battery incredibly fast and um and kind of buggy and it it kind of it just annoyed me a little too much Oh yeah, I mean the battery thing is is a pretty big issue. I mean I can get if I turn low power mode on and turn Wi-Fi off when I'm at the park, I can get maybe an hour and a half out of my battery, um, yeah. and then I've got a an anchor a kind of portable charger which will then charge it up again. You know, and I can we can go like you know three hours or something. But yeah, the battery problem is really it's massive. Like I don't yeah, it, I, it's really much crazy. Everybody that I saw either had a battery pack or an external um you know either a battery case or an external battery pack just so that they could play presumably for a little bit longer you know this should be we <laughs> to borrow one from uh from gray 
speculation corner. Why do you think that that is? Why do you think it's wearing it down the battery so fast? I mean, one of the things I think is that it's, it's using in the Unity engine, which every game I've played on iOS that uses Unity drains the battery pretty quickly. Yeah, we actually noticed this uh, yesterday when we were down the park. It's if you're get you know going through the list and and trading them and oh, not trading them, sorry, like evolving Pokemon or when you're catching them, that's when the battery goes down a lot. Um, you can so kind of leave it, it on the map and it seems to be fine, but I think it's when it's rendering all you know the 3D images of of the Pokemon. I think that's when it's when it's really killing it. Yeah, because it's doing so many calls to the server. You would think that they would maybe cache some of that stuff locally and and make there got to be ways to do that better yeah definitely and like i say i mean the fact that they took out the battery saver mode um i guess it was broken but they really should have fixed that like it still exists on android but on ios they just took it out Hmm. interesting yeah have you seen server problems still um not so many actually every probably every now and again maybe around five o'clock my time um it gets a little bit busy and i think that's probably because america's you know getting up and and everyone's kind of starting to play it so they're just getting hammered a bit more but certainly nowhere near as bad as it was when we spoke about it two weeks ago yeah i guess that's the other thing that kind of got me stopped got me to stop using it because it would tend to crash right around lunchtime and when i was going home and when i was coming going the times basically i would use it it was it was having problems because yeah. everybody was off of work off of work and using it and it was a real problem and then the weekends were actually pretty bad too you know like saturday afternoons would be would um it would go offline a lot but i like i said i haven't really tried it much in the last two weeks so i'll probably give it another go and see what happens yeah definitely um so uh, our next thing is instagram stories which yeah, is this as, as best I can tell is like Snapchat stories, although I don't use those and I wasn't a hundred percent sure what they were. Yeah, it's a little bit like Snapchat stories light, I guess, because it doesn't have light in the sense that it doesn't have the same kind of crazy editing that you can do to photos. You can edit them, but it's not you know, you don't have those like face superimposed faces and things you can do on, on Snapchat. It's a little bit more sedate. Uh, yeah, definitely. So you kind of you go in, you you just click the little plus button, you add a photo to your story and send it out. And, and I, it seems like maybe it keeps it for each day. Is yeah, it's like 24 hours. Yep, it's 24 hours. I was really skeptical of this when it came out. I mean, I wrote about it on Mac Stories. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, like Instagram because... The volume tends to be so much lower than Twitter and mm. other social networks, so you know there's not as much of a anxiety about checking it constantly. Um, and and they people try. I think for the most part, people try to put on put up on Instagram their nicest photos, right? Not just anything. Um, and Instagram Stories is kind of the opposite. You know, it's just really quick, candid shots that people throw up on the on the the service. And I, you know, I thought it, I didn't think it fit really well, but I've actually enjoyed it a lot the last few days. I started, uh, I think, when did this come out? I think it came out Thursday morning, or at least it was announced Thursday morning. And it's one of those things, like with a lot of these social networks, where there was an update, I think the day before to Instagram, but the, but the actual feature didn't show up until they rolled it out to you specifically. They rolled it out slowly. So I didn't get it. Uh, until maybe, I don't know, seven or eight hours after I wrote about it. So I didn't have the benefit of actually using it when when I wrote the news story. Um, I was just kind of working off of the 
the announcements from Instagram and the interview that The Verge did with with Instagram's founder. Um, but once I got it and people started who I knew started to use it, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I found the same because I mean it's it, it's fairly well known that I don't like or you know use Snapchat and I, you know I think you tried it a while ago as well and it's it's never really clicked for me. But with this, like you, I kind of found myself kind of. Oh, let me just go and check back and see if John's uploaded anything else. Or, you know, Federico's, you know, he's uh, away somewhere or maybe he's with his family. He's posting pictures of the dogs and, um, you know, a few different people that I follow. Mike has been uh, posting photos because he's as he goes around and signs contracts and goes to weddings and all sorts of things. Um, and I found myself kind of going, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go and check back in every you know few hours and, and see what people have, have been adding. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, yesterday I was getting circled by a vulture. Did you see that? Uh, I did. <laughs> I went running out in the country, and I looked up, and there was a vulture circling me, waiting for me to die as I was running. <laughs> I probably looked, and I probably looked like I was going to die. It was pretty hot yesterday. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, one thing it's annoying. So you've mentioned that we can't. There's no web links to to stories. They're kind of in the app only. Um, there's, there's no kind of indication that the stories exist on on your profile on the web, um, which is kind of annoying. But yeah, and I don't think there's any kind of notifications either, unless I have notifications turned off for Instagram. Um, do you know if there are notifications like push notifications? In the app? I don't know because, like you, I haven't got the notifications turned on. Yeah, um, I don't think I don't think there are. I mean, if you if you open up Instagram though, you know the circle icons along the top that show the the people who. I guess the people you follow who are using Instagram stories, um, if they are circled in kind of that pinkish color from the Instagram logo, that means there's something new there. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of nice because you can just click on the first one and it will just go through until you hit the end of all the new ones. Yep. Yep. It's, it is pretty cool. And even if you've, if you use them all, you know, looked at them all, you can still kind of go back into individual people and see at least, I'm not sure how they're doing it, but it's not necessarily all the ones that are there. It's maybe a, a handful. Yeah, it's kind of, it seems a little bit like kind of magical and behind the scenes how it's working. But, you know, like I say, I like it. I think it's quite a nice feature. Um, we're, we're both yeah, the, using it for now. The, the inner, the, um, I guess the interaction is pretty cool too because all you have to do is swipe to the right and it it you know you you start off on kind of the home screen of Instagram and you swipe to the right and it takes you straight to um, a camera view so you can start recording video or take a picture and then you just you can edit it with you know you can draw or you can you um, put text on the photos that kind of thing you can swipe oh I did not yeah. know that yeah it's pretty cool you swipe to the right to get to the camera view and you swipe to the left to get to the direct messages view huh it's pretty well done i mean that was part of my concern was when i when i saw this i thought well you know this just doesn't seem like it fits with instagram and how were they having like a whole parallel app within within instagram as opposed to a separate app and yeah and they've done a pretty good job i think for something that is not traditionally the way instagram works to put it in there without it um, disrupting the main feed yeah, that's interesting. Well, I've just, um, I've just. That's said, a hot tip. <laughs> I didn't know about the swiping thing. I'm not sure. I know you didn't. I didn't know that's about my... that. Um, <laughs> well, if you if you read all the articles about it to write about it, then you know all the hot tips. Well, there you go. Well, I've just added a couple <laughs> to my story now. So, cool. With that hot tip. <clears throat> so um, the last thing 
Um, you, you've titled it Gaming Grab Bag, uh, which is probably yeah. a pretty good summary of what we've got in there. Yeah, I, I'm going to jump all the way to the bottom of the list. I want to know if you're going to get a mini NES. I, do you know what? I, I really like the look of it. Um, you know, you've got to see the nice little, the, the classic uh, NES controller. Mm-hmm. And this is, it comes in, I think it's around 50 pounds in the UK. Um, but I already have, um, I've got provenance set up on the Apple TV, oh. uh, which is the emulator for right. all the different, you know, all the different kind of old consoles. Um, and I've also got a Raspberry Pi set up with uh, a system called Retro Pi. Um, and mm-hmm. this is kind of, again, a little bit like provenance. It's kind of a front end so you can, you know, browse through different titles and different consoles and stuff of the, of, of the ROMs that you've put on there. Um, and I actually have a couple of USB, uh, I think they're SNES controllers that I've got. Uh, that see, they're third party. Um I do like this, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to spend fifty pound for to replicate again something that I've already got in two different places. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm excited about it, but I also don't have all the ROMs, so um, I think it'd be kind of fun to have. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like most people aren't going to want to set up a Raspberry Pi and you know get third party USB controllers, or, or you know even on the Apple TV, it's not easy because obviously provenance you have to sideload it from Xcode. Right. Um, I mean, it seems to be dropping in price. I've seen a couple of deals where it's like forty pound for a pre-order and, and forty-five. Oh, really? So, you know, it's possible that maybe Amazon will have it at a, a kind of a cheaper price at some point. Um, I think it's like, coming. I'm sorry. I think it's coming mid-November, right? Uh, yeah, I've got eleventh of November is what uh, Amazon have got for their uh, their release date. Okay, I haven't pre-ordered it yet, but I think I probably will soon. I think here it's sixty dollars, maybe sixty or seventy dollars, which sounds about right given fifty pounds. But um, yeah, I think I'll probably get one. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly going to keep an eye on it. Um, maybe see if the price drops a little bit because it's it's one thing that I've got provenance and the Raspberry Pi, but like those those are a hassle to kind of maintain and you know sideloading apps from Xcode they expire and things like that and. Mm-hmm. The Raspberry Pi is a Raspberry Pi, and they're always a pain. <laughs> so, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep an eye on it. Maybe if it drops a little bit, I might grab one. Because, um, you know, you get 30 games on there. It's pretty good. Pretty good deal. Yeah, I do wish they had put in some sort of external memory slot or something where they could, you know, maybe come out with, with other game packs that you just, like, slot in with, a you know, a cartridge of some kind that maybe held 20 or 30 games. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering what do you reckon a month after this comes out somebody will have hacked it to install other roms yeah maybe i mean we have to see how how that works but um you know i guess there's the it's a trade-off if you do that if you put in some sort of um, slot to sideload games it it makes it more complex probably more expensive to build um and now they can send you know they can sell you two plastic small plastic boxes to attach to your tv next christmas we can get the one with you know 30 more games the next 30 most popular old games yeah i'm not sure i mean it's i get it really depends how they're storing the games on there um you know if there's some actual kind of internal storage in there i mean 30 nes games is going to take up maybe i don't know 20 megabyte (laughs) it's not going to be a huge amount yeah it's Um, not a lot yeah um i mean you can get the entire nes and snes catalog on like less than a gigabyte or something so um, it really depends what kind of storage they've got on this thing whether somebody will be able to kind of hack it so you can install your own roms on it 
Yeah, I think on remaster they were speculating that it's really just the virtual con- console, you know, stored on there. That probably seems about right. It's it's basically like a tiny little Wii, isn't it? Like a stripped down Wii console right. with, like you say, with the virtual console, and you know, even the the controller is just a classic Wii controller. Um, right, it's got that same port. So, hmm. well, we'll see how it goes. I'm definitely going to get one though. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Well, which one of these other things do you want to talk about next? I mean, I, Severed is a pretty cool game. Have you ever played Guacamelee? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Um, it's by a by a, a game maker called Drinkbox Studios, and Guacamelee is kind of a uh, a Mexican wrestler game. Um, it's a platformer battling game, and it's 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 a lot of fun. I've I've always enjoyed it, uh, and they came out with an, an a game called Severed, which. The, the goal is to sever the limbs of monsters as you kind of go through this this nightmarish world looking for your family. It's a the main character that you play is a, a character called Sasha who has missing one arm and has a sword and can battle all the monsters. Huh. It's kind of a weird premise, but it's a fun game. Um, a drink box is done at least on their mobile games. They were they were Vita. They were kind of Vita first, and the Vita unfortunately is kind of in decline now. Uh, not not very well supported by Sony anymore, so they're moving. They've said that they're not going to do any more Vita games, and they're moving to iOS among other platforms. Because okay. this game is going to, yeah, this game is going to come to the Wii U and the 3DS later this summer, supposedly. Um, but it's really well done on iOS, especially on an iPad because of the big screen. You know, because what you do is when you're battling with a sword, you do very much kind of a Fruit Ninja style slashing attack. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot more to it than Fruit Ninja, though, because there's there's a lot of there's strategy and timing involved. I wrote about it yesterday on Max Stories on the game day review that I do on Saturdays, and it's kind of expensive for an iOS game. I mean, it's seven dollars, and um, which I think is going to limit their audience. On the other hand, if you compare it to you know a fifteen or sixteen dollar Vita game, which is the same game and I think plays more I haven't played it on the Vita, but I can't imagine that it's as good on the Vita, primarily because, you know, the Vita's made f- for games that require buttons and while it has a touch surface on the back, uh to do these slashing attacks you'd have to be holding the Vita kind of awkwardly with one hand and swiping your finger on the back of the the Vita over and over again, which strikes me as um, very awkward compared to just, you know, touching the surface of an iPad or an iPhone. Yeah, definitely. Um, But, yeah, I've kind of admitted that I didn't read your your story on Mac Stories. So sorry about that. Um. That's all right. (laughs) It's just just from a day ago. It's all right. And you don't have to read them all. No. Oh, I mean, you know that I'm not massively into gaming on iOS anyway. Uh, But, I mean, the artwork, I'm just looking at some screenshots of this game. It looks beautiful. Yeah, the art works really good, and the soundtrack is soundtrack is really cool. It get, it's very, one of those games that's pretty intense and absorbing, and I, I do like that what it does is it has two modes. It has standard mode and casual mode, and casual mode it just makes everything a lot easier, which is fine, because it's a good way to play the game and enjoy the, the graphics and the, and the sound a lot more. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty cool game, but you know, I know that people don't like dropping seven dollars on iOS for anything. Um, but yeah. I I think it's well worth it. So um, before we start recording, you I, I kind of said I wasn't really sure what No Man's Sky was, um, and you sounded <laughs> horrified. 
well, it's hard. I don't know. I don't follow game news that closely, but uh, you have to kind of live under a rock, Rob, not to know what No Man's Sky is, I think. I, 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 it's, it's, <laughs> just to, cl- to clarify, I kind of knew what it was. Like, I kind of knew that it was, like, procedurally generated, and it was this huge game with, like, you know, millions of planets in it. Um, All right. Well, you, have, you, have, you know, I kind of knew the basic, the basic premise. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I guess it's, it's been you know highly anticipated for a couple of years now it's been shown off at e3 several times i don't i'm not exactly sure i think you said you thought it was first debuted around 2013 or something yeah i watched um the uh, you know the did you know gaming channel they've got a little video about no man's sky uh, which i kind of okay. watched to catch me up on on everything that i didn't know about it yeah so it's 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 i guess produced by a relatively small team of people which is astounding given this the scope of the game i mean it is procedurally generated and i you know there's all these statistics about how many planets and solar systems there are in the game and it's just it's absolutely massive i mean i don't know that there's really an end to the game in a lot of respects um but it it looks kind of neat it comes out on tuesday um some people have gotten their hands on it already i there was somebody there was something where someone picked up a copy for like $1,500 on eBay so they could be the first to, you know, record it um, on on uh, YouTube. You know, meanwhile, Federico picked up his copy for the normal price yesterday, too. So <laughs> I feel, feel kind of bad for whoever that was who paid $1,500 <laughs> to get a 24-hour advantage or so. Um, but it, it looks really neat. I mean, I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I'm not entirely sure as to whether how it works in terms of you know, I mean, it's it's an online game, but I don't know that they're whether you know it's a game you play with other people or whether it's single player. I'm a little fuzzy on the details myself because it's been a while since I looked at any uh, videos on this. Yeah, to be honest, like when you know, I was watching the video and it says there's like 18 billion planets or something, and um, as you say, it's an online game. But is there any kind of story to it or you know, kind of progression? I'm not, I'm still not really clear on any of that, and. To be honest, when I hear 18 billion planets, I'm just like, God, this game is so big that I just don't feel like I'd ever have the time to get my money's worth out of it. Yeah, it's, that's one of the challenges, I think, of a game like that, is that you could you could just, you know, is it going to be the kind of game where you fly around and you're from planet to planet and you never see another person because it's so big that you're way off on the edge somewhere and you never encounter anything interesting? Um, I don't think that that's the case because there's a lot of procedurally generated stuff to make it fun, I believe. But we'll see. We'll have to see, I guess. Maybe we'll talk about it after I, I get a chance to look at it next week. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, and the last one was the the Telltale uh, Batman game, which I I hadn't really heard anything about until this week. Um, has, has it yeah, really it kind of came out, out of it did. It, it came out of nowhere, too, as far as I can tell. I mean, like, look, I don't follow gaming news super closely, but um, I usually can have an idea of when things are, are coming out that have, you know, some some exposure. But I only heard about this maybe a week, a week and a half ago, and it just came out in the last four or five days. I like Telltale games. I've played um, The Walking Dead, the two Walking Dead games that they have. And they're kind of, I don't know, maybe they're an acquired taste. They're not... They're more like walking through a story than they are video games in some respects. Yeah, I had a little look. Uh, IGN had a review up, so I kind of watched that. Um, and it looks nice. I've never played any of the Telltale games, um, partly because they don't, they don't, I don't think they appeal to me that much. 
Um, but you know, it certainly looks like an interesting uh, concept for a for a Batman game. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, it's a little bit like walking through a comic book in a way. Did, did what did IGN think of it? Uh, yeah, I mean, they they thought it was pretty good. Um, they said it was. You know, they mentioned that maybe it was a little bit slow in places. Um, but mm-hmm. then, you know, that's just one reviewer's opinion. Is that because they're more used to kind of action games, or you know, it, it's kind of hard to tell. But you know, overall, they seem to seem to think it was pretty good. Yeah, it would be a mistake to kind of come at a game like this at, from the perspective of how how does it compare to Arkham City or something like that. You know what I mean? Because it's just totally different type of game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I don't know. That's another one that I might pick up. The problem I have is that I just don't have time to play games that often, and um, especially lately, I've been kind of busy. So, uh, you know, I've got a lot of things I want to try, but I also never really get around to them. So, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I think that was pretty much it for this week. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I'll pop all those, you know, videos and reviews and links and all that kind of stuff in the show notes. Um, so we did it. One year. That's that's one yeah, year we in did the bag. We, and we only. Um, I was only absent once, and you were only absent once. To, once too. So I think that's a pretty good record, right? And yeah. then you were sick once, and I was on vacation or something um, when you had Dave take over. So that was cool. Um, and you know, we're going to talk about cat food a lot more often from now on. That's, that's how we need to do it. Yeah. That's, that's the year of cat food is year two. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, show notes are at ruminatepodcast.com slash 26. Um, and we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram, anywhere else you can probably find us, the RM Lewis UK and John Voorhees, J O H N V O R H E S. Yes, that's my default. You can find me. Anything that I'm on, it'll be John Voorhees. That'll be the username if I can get it. So I think that's that's true for Instagram. That's true for Twitter. And that's true for a bunch of other stuff. Uh, yeah, same, same with mine. Uh, that's the username I get everywhere except Xbox Live because I lost the account that was linked to that username. So, Oh, no. But there you go. It's not the end of the world. All right. Cool. Okay, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Bye.